This is the Bad Religion Podcast for May 6, 2006, Episode 7, the Jay Bentley Interview Episode. Welcome to the lucky 7th episode of the Bad Religion Podcast. Just like I promised last week, this episode will feature an interview with Jay Bentley. Since that interview is pretty long, about 50 minutes in total, we're going to get right into it after this first song. The first song this week will be a live version of Pity from Pico Riviera in It's now time for the interview with Jay. Before that gets started, though, I'd like to apologize for the relatively poor audio quality. The interview was conducted over the phone, and I didn't have the greatest equipment to record it. However, the content of the interview is actually very rewarding, so I hope that you stick through it all. Also, I apologize for not getting a chance to ask very many listener questions. Some of them were a little too specific, so if your question didn't get asked, I suggest you ask Jay yourself. I'm sure he'd be happy to answer them. I'll put a link to how you can get in contact with him on the website, brpodcast.blogspot.com. Well, without further ado, here's the interview. I guess I have uh, maybe three pages of questions, so uh, if you want to get started on this. Sure. All right, well, uh, first off, thanks for uh, doing this. No problem. Yeah. Um, you asked, you ask, so I'll do it. <laughs> that's cool. So um, I guess the first question is, uh, 
this podcast that I do essentially uh, hinges on distributing uh, bootlegs of Bad Religion shows. Uh, what are your opinions of people making uh, bootlegs of these shows, and uh, what about bootlegs of studio stuff, like demos of songs? I, I think it's pretty awesome because it's, it, it, you know, it's sort of a, a collector mentality, and it's been going on forever. Um, I had stuff from Devo and Blondie and the Cars. <laughs> Really early on, there used to be a swap meet uh, in the Capitol Records parking lot, and this was like all the bootlegs were on vinyl. It was crazy. Like you could buy a 12-inch LP of bootlegs. Oh wow! It was great. And so, you know, me being me, I used to steal them. <laughs> <laughs> so not only were they bootlegs, so I would steal them. So everybody got screwed. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I guess on a related note, um, as a musician, how do you feel about people downloading your songs off the internet? Do you see it as harmful to artists, or do you think there are benefits of having more people exposed to the music, even if they're not paying for the records? You know, I, it's, it's sort of half and half. Uh, and the only way that I can really try to, you know, kind of put that into someone's mind so that they kind of have a better understanding of it is you kind of have to own a business. It can't be that you're working for the man, because everybody always thinks like, oh, well, who cares? Uh, you know, I bought all the effects records, so Epitaph's doing fine. Uh-huh. But it's not really about that. You have to imagine that, imagine that you own a hamburger stand, uh-huh. right? And one out of every four people just walk in, walk into the back, cook their own hamburger, take some fries, take a Coke, and walk out. Uh-huh. And so you're like, well, okay, well, maybe he'll come back. Maybe he likes it, and he'll come back. But if he comes back and brings, like, three friends, and then they're all flipping burgers, and they just walk out, you're like, well, fuck, man, that's not cool. Yeah, I can see how it is. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's sort of half and half, where on one hand, sure, you know, take it because you might like what you hear. Maybe you've never heard of us. Uh-huh. But when does that stop of that, like, maybe you've never heard of us, and now you know exactly who we are, and you know exactly what you're doing. You're just walking in and taking this. Is that like, well, is that cool? Mm-hmm. It's one thing to find a new band and go, holy shit, I found this new band on ShareBear, and it's like they're rad, but they don't have any material for me to go buy because no one's ever heard of them because they're from Poughkeepsie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so so essentially it's you, you see it as like a, a good way to expose people, but then... Well, there's a, there's a point yeah. where, look, it's like I have kids, they're 14 and 12, and I always say to them, there's a point where you know what you're doing, and they always look at me and they go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go, at what point when you were kicking the headlight out of the car did you go, this is so wrong? <laughs> <laughs> go, yeah, you're right, you're right. That's what that, I kind of started thinking that after we broke the windshield. I go, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, moving on to some Bad Religion-specific stuff. Uh, what do you think the chances are of an Into the Unknown re-release? Uh, do any of the band members like the album enough so that it would actually be re-released? Or is there... I don't think so. I mean, you know, it's... I don't know. <laughs> if it did get re-released, I don't think it would come out in any kind of an official um, context. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I've seen some really quality bootlegs out of Germany, like a CD. We never made CDs for Into the Unknown, so yeah, yeah, I've seen that on eBay sometimes, and yeah, I just I've seen some CDs that have all of the packaging, all of the lyrics. The CD is actually itself is printed. It's I, like when I saw it, I just said, "This is better than anything we ever did." <laughs> um, you know, I, I I can't see Epitaph putting it out ever. Um, as far as the master tapes go, you know, I I think I know where half of them are. <laughs> uh, the other half is kind of up in the air, and I don't think so. Okay. 
anything, you know, and, and in saying that, I, I, I always preface that with saying, look, anything is possible. So, so in general, uh, I guess the consensus is that most of the band members do not, in fact, in general, like, like in, the out. In general, I would, I would, I would say that that as a band, Bad Religion has no intention of ever re-releasing into the unknown. Mm -hmm. That being said, that doesn't mean that some individual within the context of Bad Religion or someone that knows someone in that sense wouldn't say like, "Hey, man, I'm on some pretty hard times, and I'm going to boot like this and put it out." Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> It's happened in the past, not from us, but you know, other other bands have gone through that tribulation. Yeah. Okay. So um, there's a song that surfaced on the internet about two years ago. It's called uh, "Moonshine Whiskey." Uh huh. Yeah, it was uh, quite different than a lot of the traditional uh, bad religion stuff. Uh, could you just give some information on where that song came from? It's not bad religion. Really? No, of course not. It just uh, is it just a Greg solo project? Yeah. There's 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 a yeah. Yeah, like I think I think sometimes the line between Greg Graffman and Bad Religion gets a little cloudy. Uh-huh. And uh and there's you know, there's there's there've been some things in the past where both sides of that haven't really helped the argument. Uh-huh. But we've never recorded a song called Moonshine Whiskey. We've never, you know, it's like Yeah. Maybe it's no different than if Brian and Greg get together and play banjo together and <laughs> you know, what how this ends up on the internet is unknown to me. Uh-huh. But then people are screaming, oh, there's a new Bad Religion song. I think it has nothing to do with us. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so how about the uh, song Follow the Leader? That's the one with, um, at the end of it, it's talking about like, Lady Diana's Coffin. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that a Bad Religion song or is that another yeah. one of those? No, it's a Bad Religion song. We were, <laughs> I don't know if you call it a song, but. <laughs> yeah, it was, we it was were, interesting. We were, we were in uh, Ithaca at Pyramid Studios. And as far as I can remember, the, the, impetus of the music of that I was laying on my back playing absolutely nothing just to reduce the noise <laughs> Brian started playing something and Greg started talking over it. <laughs> wow <laughs> I, I, I would have you know I'll have to I'll have to forward this next sentence with with this warning that in, during that recording session I tried to kill myself by drinking red wine I don't suggest <laughs> that to anybody <laughs> so that shows where my brain was at uh, how that song made it onto a record because of lack of material is beyond me. But it made it. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was a very interesting song. Yeah. To say the um, least. I, I, uh, I would minimalize the word song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I that guess... Was, that was an art project. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on another related note, um, about how many unreleased... Bad religion songs? Do you think there are? I I know that there there are rumored to be some off the Gray Race because apparently Greg, well, now, I think. When you say when you say unreleased, yeah. do you mean like things that came out as Japanese B sides or things that just went away? Uh, th things that essentially just went away. I mean, like a a, a lot of the the Japanese B side things have actually surfaced, but yeah, I mean, because yeah, we we've tried to yeah. bring them back. Uh, you know, three. <laughs> maybe maybe five tops. Yeah, because I uh, I mean there's stuff like there, there's an old show from like 1982 with um this thing called like Greg's new song, which is this song that never made the light of day. And then back I I guess during the Grey Race is the the famous one where wait there's a there's a live bootleg with a song called Greg's new song. Uh, it was essentially untitled, and he said that um uh, here's one called Greg's new song, and it was. It was about a, I think it was like a two-minute like song. It was, it was very low quality. It was. And he said this live. Yeah, back in uh, like '82 or '84 or something. Oh well, yeah, that's fine. That, that. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I, it, it wasn't something recent. No, it could have been, you know, um, I remember that. There was, you know, there was songs like New Leaf that were coming around back towards, uh, just just prior to Into the Unknown. Uh-huh. Uh, there were maybe two or three songs that were that were kind of, that didn't come out under the unknown that, that and and uh, New Leaf came out on on uh, that the Bad Religion whatever the hell it was called I, could, I always call it Frogger Back to the Known yeah um, um and I don't think there was well, there, there might have been one more song back then that was just kind of a new song that uh-huh. I, I can't imagine him saying this is Greg's new song that doesn't sound right yeah I, I think it was essentially like that it was untitled and yeah it was well, just like temp- yeah um, yeah, so historically, historically, we've we've really never uh, gone out and played live songs as sort of a litmus test, or you know, like let's see how people think. Like the only time we ever really did that was when we'd already recorded "Suffer" and we went on a "Suffer" tour, but the record uh-huh. didn't get pressed. Yeah. So we were out on a tour, going like, "Here's a song, Suffer," and we were like, "Fuck you! <laughs> play, play something off. You know, how can it help me any worse?" Like, oh shit. Okay, so um, I guess the next question is, uh, what's the uh, hardest Bad Religion song for you to play, or have they all essentially become so familiar that they're um, just secondhand now? Hmm, the hardest to play. Well, there's some that we don't play that would be hard to play if we did. Is that essentially like one one of the big reasons why uh, some of those songs are, I guess, neglected playing live? No, I think they just kind of they. I'd say that that. Fifty percent of the reason a lot of the songs don't get played live is because they're hard on Greg's voice. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of times when we, when when songs get written and we step into the studio, it's really easy to to stress Greg's voice out for a day. Yeah. Because it sounds really good when he does that. It sounds good on record, but you can't do it day in and day out. Yeah. So you know the ones that are really kind of like wow, we really push this one. Mm-hmm. We don't do. Um. Some of them, they're just like, you know, only entertainment. It's like, you know, we're not going to play that. Yeah. It's a disco song. <laughs> actually, I, I, I think I do actually have a few. Uh, We've played it. Yeah. I mean, you know, we. I don't think there's a song really, well, there are a few. I shouldn't say that. There are a few songs that we've never played live. Mm-hmm. But usually when we put, a, put, put an album out, we'll go out and we'll play the majority of those songs for a while and just kind of see how they go, how we feel about them. Uh, whether or not they seem to translate to stage. Uh-huh. Sometimes they just don't. Like something that you do in the studio just doesn't seem to work on stage. Against the Grain is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. That song in the studio was, I think it was maybe eight guitar tracks all playing separate things, and we've tried so hard to get it on stage. It's like we can play it, and people know what it is, but it just doesn't sound right to us because it took a long time and a lot of... yeah kind of guitar manipulation to get the kind of sounds we were looking for and we just can't seem to get that live mm-hmm. I, I guess on a related note uh, if you're willing uh, I guess it's about like 10 songs that are, I guess they're some of the more popular songs that I guess no bootlegs exist if you, exist, if you could just confirm if uh, you guys ever played these live so that people could, could I guess them more. <laughs> look or stop looking in vain <laughs> or stop looking <laughs> I guess uh, Fertile Crescent's one of the big ones I was, we played that a lot really oh yeah hmm it's surprising that uh, just it never come up uh, came yeah, up. We played that a lot. Uh, Walk away, which was actually on all ages, like um, uh, n- never. 
Was, was that one that was just uh, like the voicing, or was it one of those ones that were very? It just got it just got parked. You know, it was one of those songs that I think you know Brett brought it in. It ended up as like one of the last song. I think it was the last song on the record. Yeah. Um, it just kind of never really materialized in anything. I think we tried to we tried to play it in, the, in like in the rehearsal studio a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think that one was actually uh it was also another one of those uh yeah, we might have we it's it's possible that we might have played it a couple of times and just yeah. said, you know what, this isn't working. Yeah, I can see how they could all start to blend together after twenty five years of playing well, lashes. You know, most of them I do remember playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's you know, based on remembering background harmonies because you have to work on those things. So yeah. I can remember working on specific items and saying like this isn't working, let's try this, let's try that. That's how songs get molded on the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but you know, if it, it's like it, it, you kind of know right away that it's just not going to work, no matter how much time and effort you put into it. This just isn't going to work. Yeah. So you move on to something that will work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess a few other songs on this list. Um, I guess Part Four from uh, Suffer. What's that? The Index Fossil? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we played that a lot. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's another. I, I guess that's partially a result of uh, back in the. You guys well, were first yeah. getting started. There, there right. weren't as many recordings. <laughs> yeah, we were playing in front of fifty people who gave yeah. a shit. <laughs> I guess uh, one of your songs, uh, "Unacceptable." Never. Mm-hmm. Uh, Progress from uh, No Control. Huh. That was always one of my favorites I off know, that I, album. I know the song. No, I'm trying to think if we ever played it live because because the background harmonies in yeah. it were actually quite funny. <laughs> um, when we did it in the studio, we had Gore Verbinski doing this really high background part. It's progress! <laughs> and we were all laughing. Going, it's so bad. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think we ever have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think, cause, because of that middle part, because yeah. it got so, like, it just got so over-the-top queen style that we just said, oh, fuck that song. <laughs> no way we're going to be able to pull that one off. Yeah. Um, I guess off of uh, Recipe for Hate, uh, Don't Pray on Me. Yeah, we played that. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Um, off of The Grey Race, uh, Nobody Listens and Victory. Oh, we played Nobody Listens a lot. In fact, I, Nobody Listens almost made it onto Tested. Really? Yeah, so that's we've been playing that a lot. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. See, I'll tell you something that people, a lot of people, they they wouldn't know. We we recorded every show of that. Uh, what was that? That was the. I think it was like '96 tour or something. I think it was '96 tour. Like we recorded every single show on the ADATS. Mm-hmm. And with all of those shows went back to Greg's house, and I don't know how or why, but he listened to every single show, <laughs> like trying to make this compilation. But because of that, he kind of came up with this, like, we've never played this song right, and it just went away. Uh-huh. And I said, I don't ever want to do that again, because it's like, I like playing that song, and I don't care how wrong it is, it's fun. Uh-huh. But because it's like, it got, it got kind of, um, it got put under a microscope and listened to 500 times, like, you're not playing it right, we're not doing that song. Yeah. So, yeah, we played uh, Nobody Listens a lot, and I, I love that song. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, what, what else? Um, off of the latest album, I guess, uh, Live Again, which was, uh, I thought, no. one of the better songs on there. No. Um, and also, uh, To Another Abyss. Uh, not played it live. Uh, Brian and I and Brooks have played it numerous times at Soundcheck. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that, um, 
I think the consensus has been that Epiphany and Another Abyss are kind of the same song. <laughs> uh, in the, in just in the in the. Uh, I guess the tempo and the. Yeah, just in, in, you know, just in general. Uh huh. And I think Greg likes Epiphany more. Yeah. And you know when it sometimes when it comes down to that as the songwriter mm-hmm. he can choose he can say like well I'd rather play Epiphany rather than Another Abyss yeah and um, I guess also uh, one B-side I, I realize you haven't played most of these like only a few of them like Fats Life and uh, I guess News from the Front but uh, Shattered Faith off of never mm-hmm. no, I, I didn't even want to record that song yeah I, I, I heard there was a lot of I guess uh, opposition to that song because it sounded like um, the kids, the kids aren't, aren't all right, yeah I even I I went out and bought the record. <laughs> I didn't want to, and he came back and played it. I said, "Listen, <laughs> now stop it. Stop arguing with me. I know what it is." Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, I guess I guess that's it of the uh, laundry list of uh, songs. Um, back uh, to regular questions. Um, uh, before you guys recorded the DVD, uh, Brett had this thread on like the uh, official message board, like asking people what they thought the uh, song should be played on the DVD. Uh, some of the top songs of that, like uh, Billy, which like I, I know you guys played live uh, at least a while ago. And they're, they're, a long time ago. Yeah, a, uh, a, a few other songs. Uh, like I, I guess even some more of the uh, more mainstream songs that made it on the top ones didn't seem to get uh, played live too much. Uh, was there any particular reason for that? You think, or was uh, well, it, it mainly? You really have to give me the titles. I mean, all yeah. I know was it like. I think before, there's, there's different concepts about set lists for us, and uh-huh. part of it for me is to try to play something representative from most of the periods in our career. Uh-huh. Uh, part of it for Greg is a timing issue. It's like there's, there, there's a certain time that he can sing, and then it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm toast. Uh-huh. So, you know... We kind of come to a compromise of saying, well, we got 200 songs or something to pick from. How do we yeah. pick 25 songs? Mm-hmm. It gets tough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you just can't play everything. So, um, you know, it's it just kind of one of those things where, like, I, I know that more on a tour, you're like, okay, after six weeks of playing a, a specific set, you're like, okay, I just want to play something different. Uh-huh. So those are the things like where we, we, we can mix up songs like we can change Man with a Mission with uh, Heaven is Falling. Uh-huh. You know, we can do stuff like that. But stuff off the new record, we just try to stay consistent with and play it and play it as good as we can. Yeah. Um, other times I think that people, like when they say, oh, we really want you to play insert sort of an odd song here. And I say, like, you know, the only person that wants to hear that is you. Uh-huh. We... we we did one time we were playing these shows in California and every show we played at this guy would come and scream in the night in the night <laughs> and so finally we went to the rehears- we were rehearsing we said you know we should play that song people really want to hear it <laughs> and so we learned it we went out we played it and it was like the guy was thrilled and everyone else in the audience <laughs> just sat there and we're like we hate this song <laughs> and we learned we said okay so you know everybody wants something different and it's mm-hmm. more about what we want to play on stage and have fun and things that we're uh, confident in doing. Yeah. Not to say, like, I never want to be over-rehearsed where it's like you go out and you're bored. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez, we've played this song 50,000 times. I'm bored out of my mind. I, I love being kind of scared of like, oh, Jesus, I wonder if I'm going to fuck this up. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's kind of 
it's difficult to please everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, someday, someday we might be able to do. Uh, what was it we were talking about? Getting like multiple nights at some venue and saying like, okay, tonight it's the Suffer and No Control albums, and tomorrow night it's uh, Against the Grain and Generator albums. You know what I mean? Like have nights where you just play the entire album. Oh yeah, that'd be crazy. Front to back. We've we've talked about that. Like that would be rad if we did that. Uh huh. So that's kind of been talked about. I don't know if it will ever happen, mm-hmm. but it might. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it would be popular, at least among the, uh, I guess, some of the more hardcore fans of the band, if anything. Um, I guess on a related note, uh, who's in charge of coming up with a set list? Is it like a group thing? or? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's, 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 it's mostly Brian, myself, and then like Greg has kind of comes in and says, I don't want to sing that song there because it hurts my throat. Uh-huh. So... Uh, Brian doesn't like to draw out the, the, the initial one because that's kind of putting your head on the chopping block. So I always try to put out the first one, uh-huh. and then and then we'll talk about like, okay, what if we close with this, and what if we have this, and do this, and do this, and do this, and then Greg shows up and goes, okay, but I don't want to sing this here. Let's put this there, and then he moves a couple of songs around, and then we're done. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Um, do you guys feel pressured to play? I guess uh, your more popular songs like Digital Boy, Infected, Fuck Armageddon, at pretty much like every show, or. No. Are these songs that you just enjoy playing? If we didn't like playing them, we wouldn't play them. Yeah. Because there's a lot of popular songs that I know are popular that we don't play. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's it's really based on um, knowing what it is that you're going to do when you go out there and how you're going to do it. Like when you make a record, you try to... You try to, uh, you try to come up with a flow to the songs from mm-hmm. first to last. It, you don't want to just put 14 songs on a record and just kind of go there. I don't even know, but you want it to like rise and, and swell and, and kind of come down and then end on a triumphant note. You try to make these things happen. Uh-huh. Uh, when you sequence a record, that's, you know, you're really thinking that. And so it's almost the same with a set list where you're, you're trying to sequence a set list to have some kind of a flow and a, and a, a ride kind of feeling. Yeah. And so, you know, using songs like Infected and Digital Boy and Stranger Than Fiction, when you know, like, okay, we can expect a certain amount of response from this, you can kind of bring, uh, you can bring an emotion into a three-song set where, you know, you're going to end with this one song that you know people know and they're going to like. Yeah. So you never really get tired of playing it as long as you're, like, if you consider it part of the colors of your palette that you're making a painting with. Mm-hmm. You can never get tired of it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess, uh, there, there are any songs that you wish you guys had a chance to play more often, or do you News play... What do you say? News from the Front. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites, it did, actually. It didn't take me more than half a second to come up with that one, did it? <laughs> and maybe Incomplete. Ah, uh, yeah, that's, that's another good one. Yeah. Um, so is there any truth to a rumor of, uh, there's, uh, I guess a list of songs that you guys essentially refuse to play live, because you just don't like them so much. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> there's a list of songs that we refuse to play. I wouldn't say there's a list as much as there's sort of a nebulous orb of songs contained <laughs> within that orb that we just won't ever play. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, it's, it's gelatinous, so we can stick our hands into it and pull a song out if we want to. Mm-hmm. And put other ones in there when we get tired of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So, um, I guess uh, a bit on the uh, upcoming album. Um, so, I guess the question of uh, Brett saying on the DVD that you guys would be recording a double album. Yeah. And then some other responses about that, about not necessarily being a double album, et cetera. Is there anything that you're willing to say to clear anything up about that? Or well, is it I just can't, a. I, okay, um, the idea of it being a double album, when he said that. It wasn't really incorrect. It might have been presumptive of him to, like, say that we were going to do that, but that really was what we were talking about doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't based on some kind of grandiose, uh, melancholy and infinite sadness double album. Uh-huh. Uh, it was based on the fact that one of the things that we wanted to do was um, have a lot of songs that we recorded live off the floor that wouldn't be much longer than, you know, two minutes, like real raw kind of sounding songs um, and we thought you know in, in combination with that and, and a more studio produced type record we maybe we'd want to separate the two and have sort of a double album uh-huh. it's not that much different than what the Foo Fighters just put out yeah right with the one side kind of being more electric and the other side being more mellow acoustic type uh, except that we weren't going to do any mellow acoustic so, so, so a uh, bad religion acoustic album is not not ever going to happen. No, the Greg Graffin solo project. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess more on the album. Uh, the Empire Strikes First had a pretty obvious uh, political tone to it. Uh, do you think the next album is going to, uh, I guess, continue with that, I guess, overt uh, political tone, or yeah, do you think that's that's kind of a quandary, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because obviously, you know, not only us but many other artists kind of really put their necks on the chopping block and put their foots in their mouths and said, "Look, this is important." Uh, but the the outcome of all of that emotion from artists and and politicians was that George Bush got reelected, mm-hmm. and things haven't gotten better. In fact, they've gotten much worse. Yeah. Uh, so it would be it would be irresponsible to think that we could make a record without acknowledging that. Yeah. But at the same time. Uh, as a as a lame duck president and administration, you know they're on the way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it is it worthy of like complaining at this time about him? It's like you know he's an idiot. Uh-huh. You know it's a bad administration. You know they're all criminals. So are you really saying anything that people don't know? Yeah, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when when we put out. The Empire Strikes First, I think there was still a lot of like, hey, man, there's weapons of mass destruction and milk trucks in the Iraq. That's not true. Yeah. Uh, You know, a lot of people were still kind of falling for the whole thing, but now we all know, everybody knows, it's all bullshit. Yeah. So is it, you know, what do you do? Do you go out there and go, see, we were right? No, that's childish. Do you go out there and, like, point more fingers at him? No, that's kind of redundant. Mm -hmm. So it does leave us in a kind of a strange spot where... Most likely, we just kind of say, look, you know, we're back to saying we're bad religion, and we talk about what it's like to be a human being on planet Earth in 2006. Mm-hmm. That's really what we know. Yeah. So I would, I would think that, you know, there, there may be sprinklings of kind of, fuck, I'm really pissed. <laughs> and, and you people, you know, you people, including me people, didn't, didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, but this isn't for you. You know, it's like, it's just like anything else, you know, uh, 
Fahrenheit 911 was a great movie for people who hated George Bush, but that wasn't really the audience that it was intended for. Mm-hmm. It wasn't meant for people that, that already hated him. Yeah. It was meant for people that liked him to go, holy shit, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But that message never came through. Yeah. Okay, so um, I guess back on to not stuff about the new album. Um, I guess the last song that was fully credited to you appeared on Against the Green. Uh, was there any particular reason that you uh, stopped writing songs after that point? Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just lazy. <laughs> you know, Brett and Greg are, are really, really prolific. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of felt like, you know, I, I, it's just writing a song and presenting it to this band is oftentimes difficult because it's just like, you know, you're coming in with one song and they've got 15 each, and you're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to bother. It's just like a pain in the ass, so yeah. who cares? Um, you know, and, and as of late, I think it's just been more about, like, a collective again. We're working as a collective, which mm-hmm. we kind of stopped doing for a while. Yeah. Um, and that was another kind of, like, nobody just, nobody wanted to do anything with anybody, so mm-hmm. that was a bad time. Yeah, but now we're back as a as sort of a collective where we all sit in the room and we all kind of feel that we can put something together uh, as well now a six piece as a six piece group, mm-hmm. uh, and that's really fulfilling. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess back or more on uh, you writing songs. Uh, you wrote the song Part Three, and then on uh, Suffer, Greg and Brad added. Parts two and four, I guess, sort of. Uh, is, 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 is there a song that you see as uh, part one? And uh, if not, do you see a song ever being recorded in the future? What was part? Yeah, we had. I think we know what part one is, and it's and it's one of the songs that we have. Is, is it like uh, we're only gonna die or something like that? I can't. Part one. No, no, no. Part one was. Uh, never mind. It's a, it's a it's an inside joke song, and that you'll never find that one. Any of you people searching for songs, it's called "When Man First Hit Man," <laughs> <laughs> and that's only that's that's a song that only like me, Brett, and Graffin know. <laughs> that's part one. <laughs> okay. Um. So I know that uh, Pete Feinstone played uh, drums on Fuck Armageddon at a show in Vegas like a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, do you keep in touch with any of the other old members of the band? I haven't seen Bobby for a long time. I've called him a couple of times, but he hasn't called me back. Um, mm-hmm. He's been on tour. I think he's on tour with the uh, Interpol. Mm-hmm. He's a drum tech or something. Um, Pete, I see. Tim Gallegos, I see. Uh, Jesus Kraut, he, uh, I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. Um, John Albert, I see. Uh, I haven't seen Lucky Lair in a long time. Who else is there? Uh, Davy Goldman? No, not ever. <laughs> uh, I think that pretty much covers it, I guess. Yeah, they, the, the, the bass players did in The Unknown, who I never even met, so. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so have you read uh, Greg's thesis? No. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I sit on a tour bus with him. Yeah. <laughs> we that, that, that's true. <laughs> We've been talking about his thesis for 25 years. <laughs> uh, do, do you know what the status is on the uh, book, the, on the next book you said he was writing, or did he just kind of postpone that indefinitely? That? Uh, he, he said in an interview that he was... Uh, I guess a- after writing this thesis, he was going to write a, I-, I guess, a book for a the general public or something. 
I don't know. Yeah. Sure, why not? <laughs> uh, you never know. I mean, everybody. Yeah. That's the, the one thing about this band, that, and it's always been like this: is like in the band, we're a band. Mm-hmm. Outside of the band, we're not a band. So you know, we're uh, we're not really in each other's lives. We don't all mm-hmm. wear the same clothes. We don't all drive the same car. Uh, and it's it's always been important that everyone has their own identity. Yeah. That they have their own life outside the band, and that they don't feel like they have to fit into some kind of gang mentality. Mm-hmm. So you know we'll, what Greg does with his with his uh, scholastic work and with his writing stuff. I don't know about it usually until it's already out. Yeah. Uh, I guess on the musical side, uh, have you heard his new solo album yet? No. Okay. No, Brian heard it. Uh, he had a he had an advanced. I don't know what he maybe he had, maybe Brett had it on an iPod or something. But mm-hmm. when we were in Japan, uh, Brian had it for a while, and then when I said I wanted to hear it, then it was just gone, and I had. It. <laughs> <laughs> but like like I said again, that's kind of oh, hey, good for you. <laughs> but I know he's on. He's. I think he's still in Europe because we just went yeah. to uh, to Brussels and played a show, and he's starting on a like a press junket in Europe. Yeah. So I think he was going to play a few shows and mm-hmm. come back. Um, okay, so um, since process of belief, uh, you guys essentially stopped playing uh, songs off No Substance and New America. It seems. Uh, is there a reason uh, that you guys not like these particular songs, or do you feel that the, uh, or I, I guess the reason is, or is your reason that you like don't like these particular songs? Do you think the fan base is not? Um, is, do, do you think that I guess like all the songs on there essentially no, I guess I just, not I up just, to par? Honestly, I can't find one song on those records that I can compare to another rec- record that I like more. Really, like uh, ones like In So Many Ways, Shades of Truth, Don't Sell Me Short. No, I, no. Yeah. No. What is a shade of truth? <laughs> just out of curiosity. I mean, that's just, come on. Yeah. I'd rather play Recipe for Hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really, it kind of boils down to that, where it's like, if I'm going to play one song off of something, it's like, well, I want it to be fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think Don't Sell Me Short I liked, mm-hmm. uh, but that fell into... Uh, a, a vocal range problem for Greg again where it was just too high for him to want to do yeah. Night to Night. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, and, and it's sort of like, this is where things get confusing because it's like, we can't do it Night to Night, but Greg really likes consistency in the set list, so he kind of fights to have the same show every night because it helps his throat, and I'm like, no, nah, I want to change it up every night because I'm mm-hmm. going out of my mind. Yeah. So, you know, do we learn Don't Sell Me Short because Brooks doesn't know it. Brooks yeah. doesn't know anything off of those two records because when we when when he came into the band, it was easy to give him the Epitaph catalog. Here's mm-hmm. everything we did with Epitaph. Uh, strangely enough, he knew all of Stranger Than Fiction. Uh-huh. Just like, oh, I think I heard that on the radio once. He's <laughs> wonder kid. Uh, but those two records, he just had no clue of. Yeah. So uh, I think when it came time to kind of teach him some of those records, we sort of focused on the Gray Race as choosing that of the three was the ones that had more material that we could play from. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, what, what's your stance on, like, cover songs and tribute bands? Do, do you encourage them, or do you think... Sure, why not? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to discourage <laughs> Listen, I'm Lars Ulrich, and I'm going to sue you guys for playing our songs live. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it's rad. Yeah, because uh, 
I, I was talking, I, I guess, uh, a few weeks ago, I had an interview with a uh, with a guy who was, I guess, a bassist in a uh, Bad Religion tribute band from Germany. He was saying how, like, they, they weren't sure if they were able to uh, host uh, their songs on their own servers because the German authorities went, yeah. I, I think that's, that's such a compliment, and anyone that didn't see that as a compliment is an asshole. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you think about, like, a band covering your material, mm-hmm. that's the biggest compliment as a band you can ever be given. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to get all <laughs> uppity and shitty about it. It's like, no, dude. Yeah. It's like, that's just the wrong mentality to take. Yeah. I remember I had this, I had this conversation with a bootleg T-shirt guy one time. <laughs> and, it was, and I wasn't mad. I said, you know what, in, in a way I'm kind of honored because of all the bands that you could choose to spend your money on. Mm-hmm. You know, he is spending his money. He's buying blank T-shirts and he's putting Bad Religion on a screen. And he's making shirts. He's investing his money, not legally, but he's investing his time and money into a Battle Legend shirt that he thinks is going to sell. I find that complimentary. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I turn around and I ask the guy, I said, hey, you know what? As a favor to me, I'm not going to ask you for any money, but why don't you just give 20% of what you make to charity? And mm-hmm. You know what he said? I'll do that. That's cool. I don't know if he did or not, but the point was, is like, you know what, you're making, you're investing money, and I think that's rad, and I'm complimented by that, but you're making money off of me for free, so why don't you just take 20% of that and give it away mm-hmm. to charity, and then we'll all have a good conscience. Yeah. Um, so what's your favorite video that you guys made? Uh, Digital Boy. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because I think we're all going to die of cancer from making that video. <laughs> I'd be willing to bet that we all die within five minutes of each other. Yeah, something in their bloodstream from this water. Yeah, that was an interesting uh, scene. Yeah, that that blue stuff was just absolutely disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a good video. Yeah. It was was fun to make. Um, I I think that was... And I like working with Gore. He's always fun to work with. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, American Jesus was fun to make. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Yeah. I, I think the other ones just kind of got, it just got, they just started getting out of control. <laughs> you know, and I hated them. It's just like, they're just so dumb. They're just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to get so mad. It'd just be like, you know, oh, here's the director that's going to shoot your next video, and here's his screen. It's like, we have this, we have this uh, saying in Bad Religion that when we hire an artist, to come and do some album cover work or, or t-shirt stuff, we say, listen, do yourself a favor and never come up to us with a nun with a gun, okay? <laughs> Just don't do that. So we have this, that's the saying that we have, it's like, nun with a gun. Uh-huh. So, you know, half the time all these, when we were on Atlantic, it's like, oh, here's your next video, and it's like, nun with a gun. It's like, how, how fucking typical can this be? And then it was just, I don't know, just started to hate them. I, I've, I've pretty much come to the conclusion that Bad Religion makes the worst music videos <laughs> in history. And nothing that we can do will change that. <laughs> We're just not that cool. <laughs> oh, uh, have you seen the YouTube video of uh, Brian Baker skateboarding from like 1982? No. It's pretty funny. I'll, I'll send you a link to it afterwards. Wait, it's, it's oh, 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 okay, yeah, uh, no, I haven't seen it. But, is it him jumping off the the van? Um, like uh, I I think he pretends to jump over like this whole row of people by like swinging on monkey bars or something. Oh no no I I only I have one where he does like an acid drop off of the back of a van, <laughs> which is cool. 
Yeah. Um, so you ever played uh, Guitar Hero where you guys have a song on it? What's Guitar Hero? Oh, it's a, it's a video well, game Kevin where... was just talking to me about that. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a video game where you have a, uh, it's like a plastic guitar with fret buttons and a, and this, uh, like, digital sh uh, strum and you can play, yeah. like, covers of, uh, various songs and, uh, what was it, uh, Infected's on there. And yeah. a bunch of other songs. No, I, I never have, but Hetson was just talking about that. He's the he's the video game guy. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I think I think it was an interview in uh, like a, what was it, along the way or yeah. Big Bang or something yeah. where he's... I play I play Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah, he still does. <laughs> oh, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving him a hard time. Now he goes on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, here's some I guess some questions I got from some users. Uh, any particular reason, uh, I guess you guys haven't visited New Zealand ever? Or is that just I've a... I've only been to Australia once. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's... it's I, Australia has become, like, the embarrassment for us because we just can't seem to ever get there. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like, the first time we went there, we had so much fun. Yeah. We like, oh, we got to go back. And then we were supposed to go back on the, on the 2002 Warp Tour. Was that right? 98 Warp Tour, sorry. Uh -huh. We were supposed to go back in 98, and we did American Warp Tour, we did the European Warp Tour, and then we were going to go to Australia, and at that time, my wife, when I got back, my wife's like, I'm leaving you, I had a nervous breakdown, I just fucking basically fell apart, and I called Kevin Lyman, I said, I can't go. Uh -huh. I gotta try to save my marriage. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, so, that Australian bit got cancelled, and then we kind of got back up and started touring again, and, and then we were on the 2000 and warp tour and we were slated to go to Australia we were totally ready to go we got at the end and it, this the, we were gonna go to Australia on our own had nothing to do with the warp tour uh -huh. um, and I don't know why at the end of the warp tour which is a really long crazy tour we only play for half an hour but it's just, yeah it's six weeks long and you're out in the dirt and it's just like Greg just I can understand that he was like unhappy about being on the road for that long already, mm -hmm. but I think he just said like I don't want to go to Australia, thinking like he had to leave tomorrow. Uh huh. I'm like no, dude, you got like two months off. <laughs> no, I don't want to go. I'm tired. I want to go home. It's like yeah, but you can go home and go to sleep. <laughs> but he just kind of pulled the plug on it, and then two months later, he's like, oh yeah, I probably should have done that. <laughs> but, but the problem was is that now all the promoters just go, if you ever come here, we're gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> You're dead meat. And we're like, okay, okay, we won't come. <laughs> Two years pass, and uh, and we're actually kind of talking to these guys about the big day out. They're like, oh, you know, we're kind of thinking maybe you guys can come and play the big day out. And we're like, okay, okay. And I called our our agent, and I said, look, is there any way that I can, like, call the promoters and say, like, look, we're really sorry about everything that's happened in the past. And he goes, no, no, I think they're okay. <laughs> and, and I guess there's a collective of independent promoters that make the big day out happen. And one of the promoters just said, no, fuck bad religion. <laughs> I don't ever want them to come here. Like, damn it. We're so close. <laughs> so it's, it's just kind of becoming this thing where we just go like, I, we'll just never get there. Uh -huh. we, just can't, we just can't seem to get there. Yeah. Um, so on a religion note, um, any possible tours later this year, or they have not been formulated at all yet? They're not really uh, confirmed. Mm -hmm. I know we have a we have a show next month in Las Vegas. Yeah. Well, this month actually, uh, we have a show in August in San Diego at the Street Scene, or is that September? I can't remember whether that's August or September. Mm -hmm. September. Um, there's talk of doing a Canadian tour in the fall. Mm -hmm. 
um, we're really trying to get into the studio. Yeah. And so most of the touring concepts have been kind of like we we need to kind of make sure that we have a big enough hole for us to get into the studio. Yeah. So realistically, there are no um, concrete plans of touring. Yeah. But we've we've got a whole lot of offers that we're kind of sitting on saying, okay, well, once we kind of know more about what we're going to be doing in Los Angeles in the summer, which is when we're trying to make this record, we'll, we'll, it'll be easy to fill our plate. Mm. Uh, so w- when do you guys think that you'll be uh, heading into the studio, or is that still up in the air? I'm hoping for June, July. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, I think what the concept was, and this is like, once again, like with Brett saying a double album and with the way we were talking, we were, we were, at the end of last year, we were talking about being in the studio at the end of this month mm-hmm. through June, and that would have given us a September release. Yeah. But now, there's just no way that's going to happen. There's just, the material's just not there, so in all likelihood, it would be the end of June into July, so now we're looking at a February release. Yeah. So, uh, that being said, I wouldn't really imagine us doing anything like as far as global touring until the spring of 2007. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that, like, this Canadian thing that I was talking about in the fall, like, if we're out of the studio and don't have fuck all to do, mm-hmm. yeah, we can we can go and, and, you know, maybe play ten shows here or ten shows there and just kind of have some fun and, and find some other bands to go out with just yeah. as a kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess recently you guys played at, like, a uh, raceway or something. Was that, like, uh one of the crazier places you played, or have you played the Long in some... Beach Grand Prix? Yeah. That was really happening. I like that. Pennywise played there last year. Really? Yeah, and they, and they were like, oh, they gave us all these pit passes, so we're, like, hanging out with the guys in the cars. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're just, like, fucking giant go-karts, right? <laughs> that was really fun. That's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I like, and like, that's kind of the thing that like, I'm talking about, like, really weird, strange one-offs. Like, why are you playing this show? Like, I don't know. They just wanted us to come and play. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really have anything to do with whether or not we have a new album out or not. They're just kind of like, oh, would you be interested in coming out and playing, you know, uh, sometimes like snowboarding festivals and stuff. Like, oh, can you come out and play snowboarding? Sure, we'll come out and snowboard. Cause, mm-hmm. You know, not only do you get to play the show, but you get to go snowboarding and see some friends. And yeah, that's cool. That's always cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, someone asked, uh, why is it that you seem to have a uh, different hairstyle every tour? Is, is there a sense that, uh, yeah, is, is there a sense that you need to use it or uh, use it or lose it like uh, some of the other members of the band that will uh, remain nameless? No, I don't. <laughs> I think the only reason I have a different hairstyle is just in case I happen to have scissors in my hand the next before I leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I kind of, I thought I've always had the same hair. I, yeah. The only time I haven't had the same hair was when I cut it short for the Warp Tour. Mm-hmm. But that's only because I know the work tour is disgusting, and you know I don't want to have dreadlocks. So yeah, I just cut my hair off before that tour, and then I just grow it back out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't. I I think Brian Baker's hair changes more than mine. <laughs> that's an unfair question. Yeah, I don't really know where I was coming from. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think like short for the work tour, pretty much long all the rest of the time. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so uh, the final question, as I guess this is approaching an hour. <laughs> um, uh, how, how much longer do you see the band going? Uh, how many albums do you think you have left, or is it just whatever? Yeah, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is, and, and that's it's been like that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and I, to be honest with you, I think it's one of the things that keeps us together. Yeah. 
because there isn't really a long-term goal, because there really isn't a plan, um, it's truly and genuinely fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, we just we, we do things when the time is right. And um, I think it, it, as long as we're having fun and we're feeling like that what we're doing isn't just sort of uh, rehashing, like ending up on the on the, on some kind of uh, golden shower of hits type thing, where you just like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I, you know, and I've seen a lot of bands where it's just like you. you just, you, you just might as well be a karaoke act of yourself ten years ago. Yeah, and I don't. We don't ever want to be that. So, I think as long as we're having fun and we feel like what we're doing is is productive mm-hmm. and relevant, and you know, I don't really see a reason for us to stop. I don't know. Like the touring schedule might start to slow down a bit, just based on like life, yeah, kids and families and just shit happening and it's like okay there's other things happening other than just being able to go on the road for nine months out of the year yeah but that doesn't really preclude us from making records and going and playing shows and having a good time with each other uh when the opportunity affords mm-hmm. so it it doesn't it doesn't really lend itself to saying there's a specific time frame when we're just going to cut this off yeah because if that were true, I would have cut it off. Uh, okay, 40. <laughs> when I'm 40, I'm not doing this anymore. Because I've said that in the past. Yeah. Can't imagine myself being 40 and screaming, fuck, I'm going to get it into a microphone. <laughs> well, a week ago, I'm 41 years old and I'm screaming, fuck, I'm going to get it into a cell into a microphone in Belgium. And I'm having a great time. I'm like, wow, this is fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I guess that's all the questions. Uh, thanks a lot for sitting down for... 45 minutes and no uh, doing this? No problem. <laughs> Read you like that. <laughs> and if anybody else has any questions, I guess we'll do it again. Yeah, all right. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. Okay, no problem, Mike. All right, see ya. You're listening to the... Podcast. In the interview, I mentioned Greg's new song. Well, in case you guys haven't heard it before, I will play it as the first of the two outro songs this week. I apologize for the relatively crappy quality of the song, but as you can imagine, no other bootlegs of that song exist. The final song this week will be a live version of News from the Front, played at the Maritime Hall in San Francisco in 1999. This song is one of the few B-sides that the band ever played live, as the song strangely did not make it onto the American release of Stranger Than Fiction, although it was on the foreign releases. Once again, thanks for listening. The next episode will be a normal episode with news, listener interactions, banter, interviews, lots of songs, and lots of talk about those songs. As always, you can send any comments that you have to brpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Great new song. That was a killer. This one is.